Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? I am super excited, man. New season, new things to geek out about. Yes, yes. It feels so good. I know. It, <laughs> man, it feels like it's been forever. It ha- It does, and it doesn't at the same right? time. Like, yeah. I think... We, I think we teased this out a little bit of, I was so looking forward to Miss Marvel, not only because it is one of the few comics I am somewhat familiar with, but after No Way Home, into Moon Knight, into Multiverse of Madness, like everything was so heavy on the topics that the MCU was dealing with, that this feels like such a breath of fresh air that it was like, yeah, like here's a side of the MCU I felt like we haven't seen in a yeah. while. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So let me ask you that. Where... where... What was that like? You read the comic. So, oh, what was the yeah. experience of watching this? Because that's different for you. It is different. So there are moments where it's like, oh, I remember that frame. Like that was cool to see that come to life in the live action. And now I find myself in a very interesting position because we've always talked about how with this podcast, we're MCU first. Right. So I've always been trying, like, I've never been able to have to tiptoe that line of like, oh, what's telling too much? What do I know from the comics? Because there was definitely something I saw in the very beginning that I was like, I know what that is. <laughs> nice. Nice. So we might even have to do like a, a post post in tag where it's just like, all right, if you've made it this far, we're going to talk about comic stuff. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, it's, uh, it's different. It's different. What about you? I mean, because you, you're you pretty familiar with this company. You're the one who got me into Ms. Marvel. What's it been like for you? You know what? I spoiler texted you and TK. Just, OMG, I love it. Like, it, my friend Sean texted me this. It was like the perfect blend of like into the Spider-Verse that I'm going to stop there because we are in the spoiler zone yet. Um, I think like visuals that they were able to bring into a live action. I'll just say that that was just phenomenal. And it just felt like I was, it, it gave me that feeling again of the comic coming to life and live action, which was great, man. I love how excited we are. For the, we're pretty much already in the pre-spoilers. Comics. I know. Like I, I'm just, <laughs> I can't tell you like how much I love this. Well, you know what? Let's just, let's completely lean to it. Pre-spoiler thoughts. You know, I'm glad you brought up into the spider verse. That is definitely a feeling I'm getting invoked here with this show. Uh, two other ones that come to mind are Mitchell's versus the Machines. I've talked about it before. I think even when we reacted to the trailer for Miss Marvel, that sh- that animated series had a lot of the same Spider Verse visual influences. And the other one that it reminds me of somewhat, without without getting too much into details, but just kind of that family dynamic is Turning Red, the latest Pixar film. So there, there's a lot of great work that this show is doing, and from frame one, I think it is incredibly confident. Like the inventiveness of the way it is communicating that daydreamy feel with the art coming to life around her and building to some of the ways that it depicts digital communication. If they can keep up this creative spirit for the next five episodes, we are truly in for something special. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause we talk about this on a lot of daredevil when we first got started, but just how early on, you know, um, directors, showrunners start teaching us the vocabulary. So we see how things work. And, and so we know that, 
and then they're able to do something else with it because they've taught us this is how visually we're going to sh- uh, show this. So you're right. If they keep that up and that's what they're doing here, like seeing what they ramp this up to is going to be really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, because even in episode one, we'll get into it once we get into the spoiler zone. It's, it is very educational in the way that it just keeps moving forward with that language. Like you said. Yeah. I Just my pre-spoiler thought a, oh my gosh, like I texted, I loved it. Um, man, I got all kinds of just thoughts. So I'm going to go with this one. I'm just going to double down on the multiverse of madness. Um, <laughs> complaining. No, it's just, it, I think that's the other thing that I loved. That I loved is that it was just like, ah, oh, this is what the MCU should be. You know, uh, kind of feel like aesthetically and stylistically and, you know, multiverse of madness was like George Lucas, prequel George Lucas, you know, playing with CGI for the first time, like on speed. And that's what Sam Raimi did. And it just wasn't enjoyable. But like th- this gets back to what the MCU was really good at, which is actually having good lovable characters, a good story, whether it's simple or complicated, they know the story. It's a good one. And they're going to tell it right. And able to incorporate all the visuals and all of that style that helps tell the story and not overpower it, you know? And so it's, it's truly getting back to what, what I hope for and expect out of MCU content. So the heart is clearly on the oh, show. Yeah. And it's all the better. Yeah. For it. Well, that's the other thing is like, you can tell that in this, if they keep it up, like the, and don't get me wrong. Like I agree with Elizabeth Olsen, like a lot of talented people work on these things and I am in no way like could go in and do better than what, the people did in Multiverse of Madness, right? Like I, there's a reason I don't direct and do computer animation and all that stuff, right? <laughs> Our running joke. There's a reason we're doing the right. podcast. <laughs> uh, and I'm fully aware of that. But like in this episode, you can really see it come across of like how much that they just love the content. And I didn't, and for the most part, everything I see MCU, you get that feeling of there's just love and care for the content. And and wanting to do right by it, I'm gonna bag on Multiverse Madness one more time. You don't get that feeling in there. You, I mean, you feel like it's Sam Raimi gonna play with. Oh, I get to play with these cool toys, you know. Without really, I mean, come on. He didn't finish watching WandaVision and then didn't want try to finish Wanda's story, like, like, <laughs> you know. And it's a, that's the other thing. It's just I was so in love with it from mm-hmm. that. Well, uh, I think that's going to put a bow on our pre-spoiler thought. So, you know, we were so excited, we immediately jumped to this section. But for anybody who may be new listeners who are tuning in for the first time for our show, we're going to be covering this series week to week. Uh, It launches the Monday after the episode premieres on Wednesday. Uh, We will have pre-spoiler thoughts. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, this will be a chance for you to hear what we thought of the episode without getting into spoilers followed by the spoiler zone where we're going to be talking about the episode into the most important topics with all spoilers revealed. So like I said, you're going to hear an audio cue and on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU, except multiverse of madness. Cause that has not hit Disney plus yet. We'll see you on the other side. And we're back. 
All right, so we've got three most important topics that we're going to break down this episode into, starting with the daydreamer, the family, and the con. So the first most important topic is going to be the section for us to really dive into Kamala Khan, her aspirations, her creativity, as well as the school life that we find her in throughout this episode. So starting with you, Jude, where would you like to start within the daydreamer section? The visuals. I loved it. The... So I'll start with this, talking about the visuals, and I'm going to say with the daydreamer section, I'm going to jump around the entire episode, um, but <laughs> focusing on the daydreaming visuals, right? So like she's riding in the car and parents are talking and she looks over and then sees Captain Marvel, right? Or the the plan and she's doodling it in her book but you also know you're seeing her imagination you know come alive and that right there just was fantastic um i felt like they really captured that age well the 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 16 year old you know um so that was and especially in i don't think kamala khan is this but this is what I got from it. I was like, yes, kids are going to watch this. 16, 15, 16, 17 year olds are going to watch this and be like, yes, see, when I tell you I have ADHD, this is what's happening. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, just like having to try the conversation with the counselor and you're just like, yeah, I got nothing. And you're just all over the place. Um, well, I mean, because like he even makes that comment. He's like, Kamala, we literally just started talking yeah. <laughs> and he would already seen how she had broke into the daydream yeah. sequence. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I remember when mm -hmm. I was in elementary school, I would go, I would daydream and my teachers would take my chair from me and make me stand up to keep me from daydreaming. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like I just, you know, I, well, let's try ostracizing you. <laughs> let's uh, see if that works. <laughs> look, it was, it was through the early eighties that, you know, they, mm -hmm. they, they did what they thought was best. You know, and look at us now. Um, <laughs> I was gonna make it. I'm sorry, I didn't. Mean to I, I was gonna make it. I was gonna make a joke, and then I thought twice about it. But, <laughs> but yeah. So like, <laughs> but yeah. No. So I. So I, I completely identified. You know, because like I was that kid that daydreamed, that imagined, like I got to interact with um, the superheroes and whatever that was for me at the time. You know. Um, and so that's why I feel like they captured it really well. 100%. I mean, even from, like I said, frame one, this show is so confident because you are getting not only her creativity, her aspirations, but you are, we are teasing out how she is able to depict that. Cause that's a video that she theoretically made for her YouTube channel. You know, that YouTube channel exists, right? I saw like that. I like it was I the, paused. Uh, during my first watch, looked it up and, and hit subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Sloth Baby Productions, right? Yeah. Which is extra funny to me because I used to have a joke whenever I was first getting into streaming. Like every kid who ever got into like content creating stuff, their name was always something something productions. And it makes me laugh so much to see that it carried over into the well, show. Well, it, it brings it brings credibility. Right. So mm -hmm. entertain entertainment, productions. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I reveal this, if this would be too embarrassing. I remember the first attempt at content creating. I think mine was called like Kamada Productions because like that was, I was like 
12, I think. And I think quemada means burned in Spanish. And that was at a phase where me and my friends were like, oh, burn, dude. You just got burned. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We all do it. Well, all of us that have that try to imagine being some kind of creative at some point or something. It happens. <laughs> Productions, entertainment. Uh, Company. You, you know. <laughs> trying to be clever but yeah I, I loved it because you you see the talent there you see the way she has the admiration in her point of view of the events of endgame which given that this is the the civilian perspective of what happened it makes sense that you will see what becomes most important to her and i like how they're able to establish that affection for uh carol danvers because that plays so much of an important role into how she shapes herself into the superhero and I think I was I don't know if I'm fully ready to say this yet, but I feel like phase four, we've been talking a lot more about the civilian perspective of the MCU. And it's feeling like it was all leading to this, because when you have that admiration that we see from Kamala and then see it take form in things like we'll talk about later with Avengers Con, you I, I don't know if you can get this without the base that came before. And so it's really cool how much they were able to plant that seed for Kamala Khan here with that opening visual. Oh, yeah. Well, no, for me, I guess what's, what's going to be really, I mean, on top of all that, what's going to be really interesting is it's very similar to, or this character Kamala Khan and that admiration, you know, is, is very similar to Kate Bishop. And I was wondering like, okay, so how are they going to do this? Are they just rehashing the story? Well, you know, Hawkeye was in it. I don't expect Brie Larson to make an appearance. It's possible. Only because, you know, they're, they're shooting the Marvels, right? And she's in this and, and, and all that. So it's possible you could drag in like a quick cameo or a scene, but I, I don't anticipate that happening. And I kind of hope it doesn't because I, I, I like, I, I want to see the whole series with that separation. With something like this, you know, they have to do it to, I don't want to say destroy, but like tear down that admiration, you know, like that reality check. And so I'm I'm curious of what they're going to do with this character. What's going to be that growth moment, if that makes sense, without having Captain Marvel there the way Hawkeye was there for Kate Bishop. What you're laying out on why you don't want it there reminds me of the same reasons they ultimately cut Doctor Strange from WandaVision because it takes away from the story being about Wanda. And if you bring in Carol Danvers, yes, that'd be cool. It makes sense. But you you want to have Kamala Khan have that first step on her own first. Um, I wouldn't. I I think I could see potentially a tease, but I, I'm on that limb with you of like, no, let's just focus on getting her story told first. Yeah, yeah. Well, which it feels like that's what yeah. they're doing. Well, and, and also as I was gonna say it's a very different age group. Kamala Khan is 16, right? There's no doubt about it. No question on age. Where clearly Kate Bishop is older, college. 22, 23. Kinda. Yeah, somewhere there. Um, so it is a very, that's the other thing is it is a very different, um, she's a kid, you know, um, in fact, Fred Daniel and I were talking about this of like, she did the driving test and she's 16. So I don't remember them giving a date, like a time of year, fall, winter, spring or something like that. And the only reason I bring that up is because typically sophomore year, you're 15, have a 16 year old birthday, right? And get your driver's license maybe at some point or take the driver's test. Or you are 16 turned 17 as a junior, you know? So, so this would have to be either like the fall of her junior year, spring, sophomore year. 
Um, and not that it has to have an exact date, you know, but that is clearly a different, like there's, I, I feel safe to say this, unlike in Hawkeye episode, when there was a debate of like, is Kate Bishop a kid? Like, like, like Clint was saying, I don't think there's any debate here with Kamala Khan. She's yeah. a kid. You know, <laughs> and she did kid things. That was the other thing. She did kid things. Okay. So I, what I, I didn't know how I was supposed to read this. Did she fail that driving test on purpose? Because like she gunned it and like, I can't imagine anyone like, I don't think her intention was to wreck the car, but that was such a, uh, and I don't mean this super majority. Like it was just such an immature move of like the way she slammed on the gas. I blame the instructor, but okay. The, what was the, the instructor was very calm. Look, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm with you of this whole, like, I mean, if I'm going to equate it to a test and I see what like Kamala did, you know, and that's the driving test and like, you're going to study for a test. Like typically it's a good idea that like, I know a test is coming and I'm going to study a, a little bit each day over a number of days. So I have that practice and I, and I get it right. Rather than do a whole lot of studying in like the day before. Right. Cause that's just, that just never works. And yet I tried it anyway. It feels like she, yeah, same here, but it feels like <laughs> she tried to do a whole lot of studying the night before and just like, like in, in nerves and stuff. But here's why I blame the driver. So the car was parked right behind her. He noticed the car wasn't on. So it was like, he, I guess he didn't mention, Hey, you're in reverse on purpose. I mean, I guess because you want to see, uh, did you make a mistake or not? But your car is right behind her. Like, you're going to say something. It's like, hey, you're in reverse. My car is right there. And he just sat there, quiet. Like, that's <laughs> right? on you, man. Yeah, I was because when you said, like, she she did kid things, that was the first thing that popped to mind because it was like, oh, is she purposely failing because she's nervous about having to make decisions for her future? But yet her original plans all involved around her having her license to sneak out to Avengers Con. So it was just, I don't know. It, it not that it's all nitpicky. I was just wondering no, how. No, I was it's not to nitpicky. I think I think they captured it well. Um, because so, like my third watch, um, I loved this episode. I've seen it three times too. <laughs> uh, to so I I watched it today, and uh, my wife watched it with me. And oh, what scene was it? I think it was after the when Kamala asked her mom, and it didn't go well, and she you know kind of. Well, I'm a, that's not like I'm going to go do cocaine, you know, and had that line. And for some reason, we had to pause it. Oh, because our microwave messes with the Wi-Fi for some reason. And we were going to warm something up, so we had to pause it. And so... Seems like you need a Zuzu. I know, right? Um, <laughs> but, you know, I said something. I was like, I just feel like this captured it so well. I was like, no. At that age, she would have tried... She would have... She wouldn't have just accepted it. She would have tried to do something more sneaky. And I'm like... Oh, just wait, <laughs> you know, uh, for the plan. But I, but I think uh -huh. that's also part of it is like, cause my wife, again, teaching high schoolers, like, no, the, the high schoolers are going to try to do something a little bit more sneaky. They're not going to give up on just that. Um, you know, and we both talked about it. It's like, she's doing kid things, but she's not bad. She's a good kid. She's just doing kid things. And that's the other thing that captures it so well. I mean, as a parent and my oldest might hear this episode at some point the whole idea of like having it's it's the very teenager young teenager thing to do um unfortunately some adults do this too but 
I have in my mind what I want, right? And I can't get it exactly like I want it. And then her parents or somebody comes up and I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to meet you halfway. Her dad colored himself green, not even on the day of. That's going a l- further than meeting you halfway. And her reaction was like unbelievably accurate to the typical teen of just like, no, no, you're my parent. That's embarrassing. And I can't wear this. And I want it this way, which is a, I'm not going to say it's the appropriate reaction, but I can't say I wouldn't have had the same reaction that I would not have at that age and be like, oh, that's so sweet. No, I'm not going with my parents. And like, like, you know what I mean? And so that it's an understandable. Yeah. And she's a good kid. So like she realizes it's like, oh, I'm going to follow you out on that limb because I had that save for the family section, but I want to I go here because I've got two things. Sorry, I just, I just keep going. I just loved Kamala so much. Like, yeah. I think you and I are both head over heels for this episode. It's most likely we're just going to be all over the place. Yeah. But I felt so bad for the dad because you're right. He tried to meet her halfway. You don't paint yourself green for nothing. He did that because he clearly loves Kamala. And so, Kamala... So whenever she has the outburst, you can see he's fighting back tears. I've talked about it before. Diehard Steelers fan, I have had my face paint while the Steelers lost the Super Bowl, and there's nothing worse than feeling so sad and having to remove face paint. Oh, my God. So that was the first thing I thought of. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the other, th- the other thing I wanted to talk about is because we're talking about uh, Kamala. We're talking about her family. She's not a bad kid. What it is, is, and what that opening sequence so brilliantly sets up is we're seeing the two tensions of her life of wanting to be who she is and also trying to live within the expectations of her family and they're colliding. And the thing that was just brilliant filmmaking on this show's part is Kamala has so much pride in this Captain Marvel costume that she's been making. And One of the things that her mom refuses about Avengers Con is that you're not going to go out there wearing those skin tight suits. So the next day, whenever she's looking in the mirror from the advice of the counselors, like you need to go home and look in the mirror and see who you are. She is no longer feeling herself from the Captain Marvel costume that she's put in. She tries to add in that sash, which is her own little bit of personalization. And that's when her parents come to the room. And so after the refusal of them meeting her halfway and they have that heartbreaking scene. The camera pulls back as the family is left and Kamala is just sitting on the bed and the doorway frames as though it's like a mirrorless mirror frame. And so she's left without not feeling like not feeling connected to the fandom that she had, not feeling connected to her family. And it's just so heartbreaking to see that because she can't reconcile those two tensions it's 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 hard. Like you feel for Kamala in that moment. And to go with what you're saying there, right? That is especially because I keep going over Kamala's a good kid, right? And that's such a tough balance, you know. Um, and I can identify very easily with the parents there, and this wanting to protect and um, and, and seeing that and and making a decision what you think or feel is best for them. You know, and, and then there's this weird dynamic between parent and child of like, and you see it sometimes and you hear it sometimes is like, no, you need to respect me. You need to fear me, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. And it's like, I don't want my kids or my students to like do something out of fear. Ultimately, I want them to do it out of love and respect, 
you know, and we try it with our own kids of like, hey, here's our rules, and we make these rules because we we believe this is what's best for you. And I know you don't always like it, and that's fine, but just know we're not trying to be mean, you know. So and, and so in that sense, like I, I can I can identify with it, and you know, and but it's hard to try to emphasize of like with them is like so our expectation is you following the rules whether you like it or not not because we said so but because the respect you have for us as our parents right um and if you want to have a conversation about it we can right which is much different than you just yelling at me and stuff so we, we try to do that the best we can and what's really difficult is like remembering that my kid is their own autonomous individual. Like they just, they just are, they're going to have their own choices. And and at some point I got to be comfortable with that, you know? Um, And that's hard for a parent and you're seeing that there. Right. And, and it's hard. And I, and when you have a good kid, it's hard for the kid. Right. Like, cause I love my parent. Um, You have cultural factors at play. You have, religious factors at play of what is that dynamic and and what the expectations are, but you also want to be you, you know, and you're trying to figure out who you are and the, the subtlety that they well, do with it. Go ahead. You have your thought that I'll come back to that. Well, I was going to say what they do that I think is keeping it from being like, cause you know, we talked about Kamala's a good kid. Her family's not a bad family either. They humanize the mom in a way that I think, keeps her from being just this overtly mean character who doesn't want Kamala to do these things. They had that scene where they go on those wedding errands and they're trying on the clothes and there's and the dresser says that the dress is too short and her mom's like, no, it's not. It's fine. And then that friend comes in and makes the same comment and Kamala's mom's like, oh yeah, you're too short for it. So you're getting that sense of like peer pressure that her mom is also feeling from just other people within that community. And I think pairing that with the line, I come from a long line of fantasizing, unrealistic daydreamers, the mom is projecting something onto Kamala that Kamala is unfairly being held to, if that makes sense. So you have these two flawed characters that are trying to find a common ground, and it's it humanizes them both so that none of them feel thinly villainous. In, as I'm about to say this, any parent or person in general should be like nodding their head as I say this, because I guarantee you everyone's experienced this, where it's like your parent lets you do something, and I've experienced it both sides, where it's like I've been allowed to do something, right? And then I wasn't allowed, but then I've also been the parent who allowed, but that didn't allow. And so it's like you allow your kid or you're allowed to do something, and then the same situation comes up, but it's in front of other parents. And you say no. And their response to you is like, or your response back to your parent is like, you let me watch that movie the other day. Let's say if it's the not properly rated <laughs> movies, like we just watched it together a week ago. You know, I mean, something along those lines. And they're like, you know, and the two adults look at each other. But you're right. Like that, that played out perfectly. You know, it's like, I'm here with my kid. Now I have that peer pressure of wanting to be a good parent, wanting to look like a good parent in front of others, which is, very real for <laughs> for some parents and um in various ways and yeah so you're right like that the, the way they were able to capture that you know and it plays later too again in that same scene where she's asking for permission to go to avengers con she, i think she says something like you don't trust me and her father's like we trust you and the mom's like i don't no we don't 
Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, we do. And she goes, no, I don't. Because <laughs> you can see that there's something there that the mom needs to reconcile with too. So they're doing the, the nucleus of this family is so earnestly written and realized that I think that's what has me head over heels for this first episode. And, and that scene was perfect. That scene and that interaction was perfection. Okay. So let me ask you what's worse. The dad response of like, no, we trust you. We just don't trust anyone else or the mom just being honest. No, I don't trust you. Because they're essentially mm-hmm. saying the same thing, but the dad's trying to veil it. Right. So which which one's worse? Dad just has better marketing. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I think that it's a coin flip because if, if I heard the dad version, I'll be like, I know that's BS. But if I heard the mom's version, I'd be like, oh, that hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you're e- either way, you're lying to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go... I'll go with the 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 dad ones worse because at least mom's being honest. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's I'm with you. I think the dad one's worse, actually. But I I've done it. I've done it. We just don't trust them. Uh, no, it's what what makes that perfection is the dynamics of. I'm I'm a little bit out of my element, and and then I'm not. But there is this element of like. What, seeing that relationship between the mom and daughter and just, no, I don't trust you, which I think is a perfectly valid, fine and valid response. Cause there's times where it's like, as a parent, no, I do not trust you. You have not shown me the ability to make a wise choice in this situation, you know, whether the other people are good or bad. But there's also this dynamic with the father daughter relationship where it's just like, no, 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 you know, and, and, you know, followed up with the misspeak. Well, you're not normal. And, but like, but in his head, it's, you're special. <laughs> I, right. But I, like, I do that. I even do it myself. I, I'll misspeak, you know, and, and, and like, I'm trying to build up and, oh, you're special and, and all of this. And it's just like, and I, and I miss say something, you know, and then it's like, ah. You know, um, be hundred percent honest. The feeling is special. And he, that even to say, no, 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 you're special. That's, that's bad as well. You shouldn't say that, um, as a parent, but anyways, you know, it's better, it's better to say things like, no, you know, you know, you're, you're a hard worker and you, and like the habits you want to reinvert, you know, reinforce you, you praise those, um, not easy to do, but that's what you should do. Um, but yeah, I loved it. That was such perfection, that interaction there. So good. So we started off in the daydreamer section. We've kind of blended into the family as well. As tightly written as this family is, I think it makes sense that we would kind of carry over between these two conversations. But I want to switch over to Bruno because I think that is another wonderfully realized interaction between Kamala and Bruno because it feels so authentic. I think everything they're doing with the high school setting and those kids feels authentic because there is this feeling that you get that that Kamala feels like an outsider, but none of it feels like the the stereotypical like bullying. It's just a level of indifference that I feel like is within those kids. And it, it takes form in the way that they're trying to figure out what their next plans are to getting to Avengers Con. And they're like, well, maybe we can ask Zoe's mom to drive us. And the thing they say is, no, she hasn't been the same ever since she got 100,000 followers. So there's this this indifference and sincerity that they're dealing with within the school setting that feels 
authentic and to have Bruno be the best friend that he is through 100% sincerity for the way that he cares about Kamala, I think it's just oh, amazing. Yeah. Even from the get-go, the comment that she gets on the video, it's from Bruno. He's like, whoa, who made this? This is good. So from the very first scene, you were seeing how sincere and kind and caring he is, which is the antidote for the indifferent world that Kamala has found herself in right now. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's the thing. Like, dude, kids just want to go to school and feel safe and have a place and... And I'm not even trying to say anything like, you know, from, from our time of recording, you know, just good. I, I brought up the safety, right. mass shootings and stuff. We we're not far removed from Uvalde and a number of them, but just in a generic, like take that out of the equation. They just, even the kids who don't do their work, they just want to be in a place they feel comfortable and can be themselves with friends, you know, and again, go to the accuracy of the show that what you normally see in bullying, you know, um, I think is over the top, you know, now don't get me wrong. I think bullying in that fashion can and does still happen, right? but you do see a lot of it coming out in that, the, the feeling of isolation and all that stuff, not in the, the overt bullying, you know, and while that happens, but there is that indifference there where it's just like, well, even the, the one teacher from the coach, maybe from the dodgeball, not getting the name right, you know? So like chameleon. Yeah. And so like the, the adults not taking the time to get the name right. Or, um, like I said, that indifference of like, this is this person's locker and you're not going to get out of the way, you know? And, um, and it's, it, it, and it's not a direct bullying, but it's clearly we're better than you, you know? Um, and it's just like, it, and you see it, it happens. The only, the only caveat I would add to the bullying, there is that scene where she gets the basketball to the face. Oh yeah. But that, that outside of that, the rest of it really does feel like Wait, wait, that, okay, wait, which, which basketball you know, to the face? Where it actually hits her and she has that, where she has to put the ice oh, pack okay. on. Yeah. Which sequentially that, that stood out to me. I don't know why that, that was kind of randomly in there in between her being told no and then her having the plan to go to the Avengers con. But for the rest of it, it really did feel like this level of indifference and the way they're working with social media and, and the, the creative process of it, of like her posting YouTube videos. That's what's, that's why the indifference stood out to me is that trying to find meaning yeah. in your passions and the way that is received. Yeah. And see what I loved about that part was, you know, her friend stood up for, her, Hey, you did that on purpose. No, I didn't. But it was also illustrating of like, I don't want to say we all have been through it um, because we haven't, but it illustrates the struggles some kids have when they're forced to go out there and do PE, you know, and they're clearly not athletic, you know, and it's like they're doing their best. They wouldn't have chose this anyways, especially with that age group talking about that high school, you know, and it's like, why are we doing this? You know, and so, and so that's the other thing, which, which again, that's why I hid in a corner, which again, reinforces that, that you're different, you know, for, the, for those kids, you know, that, that bothers me. I don't understand why we call it physical education. Like when I'm younger, I don't care. I'm going to go out and just run around and play because we're kids. But as you get older, it's like, no, actually teach me something about physical education, please. Don't just let me 
go play dodgeball for an hour, you know? Um, like, <laughs> no, teach me something. Actually give me a recess. Don't hide my recess into a class. But that's me needing to step away from my soapbox <laughs> of education in school. I do want to highlight, because we, we talked a little bit about the visual creativity, the way the daydreaming sequences come to life. We talked about in the pre-spoiler thoughts how they spent so much time at the beginning of the episode educating us on that and that it eventually leveled up. One of the ways that it leveled up is eventually those daydream sequences coming to life became the visual depiction of text messaging conversations with between Bruno and uh, Kamala. And to have that sincere moment where her brother Amir comes in, because up until that point, after she's been told no, she's in her bedroom upset, the brother comes in and tries to smooth things out. Up until that point, they've had a very sibling antagonistic relationship. It's not necessarily like mean. They're just at each other's, they know each other's like sore spots and how to pick at them. And I thought that felt real. So when he came in there to like, you know what? I'll talk to mom and dad. He leaves and her having to relay what has happened to Bruno takes form in the stars. I love that. Like it kindled that. Okay. She hasn't given up on it yet. Like that, that empathy from her brother was able to keep that dream alive even though it was a, a confirmation that it wasn't happening, she was still like the wheels were still turning. So I love the visual depiction of the stars oh, yeah. with that. Like like again, that's and that's what that's the other thing is is like for a kid, and again, I just growing up, I um, was a daydreamer, imagine imagination and, and stuff, and it's like like visually it gives us a sense of what's in her head and you know, and all of those those things. But it also like, you know, I'm willing to bet like Kamala Khan, that's the way she thinks, you know, it's like one of those things when you think, are you thinking in words or pictures? Like, like I, like, I think we're truly getting to see what's happening in her head. It's not just a unique visual for the audience, you know, even to the point where the, that's the actors depicting it in real life. Kamala, you're the best. And they're all dancing in the background. We know that's like her daydream reality, even though it's not animated. So they're blending it back and yeah. forth too. Yeah, it's so good. Though, though, I had one issue with that scene. One. The one where they're at the dinner table, like praising her as she finds an excuse no. to leave? The brother coming in and having the conversation. Um, and this is a me thing. I didn't like when he said... Was it beard envy? Because I had the beard envy. <laughs> Dude, what would I need beard envy for? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's a glorious beard he's got. It is, but uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. You know, it I, is. I derailed you. No, I'm sorry. You didn't. I went I'm for just saying, joke. like, whatever. Come talk to me in February. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, JB knows. JB knows. Uh, <laughs> no, so. No, when, when he said, uh, it was kind of like the growing up. Why are you acting like you're 12? I'm not. And it was like, well, this does. does, And it's a little stuffed animal. I'm like, no, that doesn't. And and there was an element of so much got this show right that, and this is for kids, that I'm like, please don't perpetuate that stereotype. The, like, forgetting that there's a balance of part of growing up is maturing, but that doesn't mean I have to completely let go of those things like a cuddle to sleep with you know what i mean like that's silly that's silly why does the 16 year old have to stop just because they're now 16 and not 12 
Why? I mean, what's the difference between that and then like the second pillow that you grab and hold on to? The shape? Like, you know what I mean? And, and so, and so there's that element of like, you know, and, and I think I mentioned this on the pod once where I had a, where I had a senior ask and he's like, Hey, I'm not trying to be offensive, you know, because I just, <laughs> no offense, but you know, you're adults, but like, you know, usually adults outgrow toys. Um, he's talking about all the different toys and stuff that I have displayed in the classroom. Um, and my first response was a joke. I was just like, they're not toys. They're action figures. <laughs> they're collectibles. Um, but no, like I, I said, I was like, no, I, I, I get you're right culturally, but I have those things precisely because I'm an adult. Like these are things that I like and enjoy, you know, and to see them, they bring me happiness. Cause a lot of them are from like when I was a kid and it's just like, because I'm an adult and comfortable in my own skin, I don't care if you think that I'm immature because of it. I'm okay with it. I'm set. I'm comfortable with who I am. You know what I mean? And, 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 and so that's why I bought that line alone bothered me so much because I, I feel like they got so much right. Um, you know, um, now I do hope they come back to that because this clearly is this story, this coming of age story. Right. And I like the, what they set up. And the one thing I would be like, I said, I'd come back to earlier. The, what I was going to say was, the subtle, the subtle thing that they're doing, like with the costume, was wonderful. Where it was like, it's not finished, it's not complete, it's not complete. And then Bruno, well, get make something Pakistani, right? Okay, you know. And then she struggles to know what that is, right? And and you get this balance of like, mom made the Hulk costume. Oh, I can't do this. It's not just that you know, mom made it, so that hurts my feelings. But also for the mom, like this is. In in a a health hopefully a healthy respect of our own culture, right? And putting a twist on it, and she's rejecting that culture for something else, but not a, completely because she thinks adding something Pakistani is a good idea. She just kind of wants it subtle and hidden, you know. And she doesn't know what to use, and it makes sense she doesn't know what to use. She's still figuring out who she is, and if she's not really aware of that, which she's sixteen, it's okay. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Yeah, she's not going to know or figure out, you know, what's my flair that I'm going to add to it. She's 16. She wouldn't know. It's okay. I think that's what makes the the her reaction understandable is that it's not that she's outright rejecting her family. She's I don't think she understands how to communicate that it needs to be her choice because the first refusal that she has when the parents come in is like no this is me and bruno's thing and so that you write about that continuous thread of like it's missing one thing it's missing one thing who are you look in the mirror what's left what do you want to be in this world and it's the you know the bangle that is what eventually is going to be the character or the catalyst which sets this character on the journey forward but i love the way you have outlined how they manifested that with the costume missing something because you know it is it is her identity up until this point that she now has to morph into her own yeah god i can't wait to see what they go with this because like i mean clearly we can hopefully it's clear to me hopefully it's clear to everybody else the family connection of like that was in the box that her nanny nana sent Nani sent and like very quickly, like her mom knows what it is very quickly. Like, Oh, you're, you're, you're not going to have that, you, you know? And when she brought up Nani 
oh, you're going to mention some story about Nani. And, and so you could tell there's some tension there between mom and um, grandmother, you know. And so there's clearly a thing of like, I'm protecting you from things you don't know about. That is family history that will, you know, come together and mom's growth is going to be accepting that you are who you are and Kamal, hopefully, otherwise it's going to be really sad. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, and Kamala is going to, going to start begin to, I hope, cause it'd be really shoot the realism out, you know, for, for that age. If all of a sudden she fully knows who she is, like by the end of it, like mm-hmm. that shouldn't happen. But I would think have a healthier respect for, her own parents and and that balance of this is who I am, you know, and and and, and that culture. Because when I say that culture, I mean as that kid walking that line of of wanting to be proud of the culture you come from, but also fit in socially in a school environment can be tough. So I absolutely love what you just said. And I'm gonna I'm gonna play off of that and use that to transition us into the final most important topic. But you talked about the importance of the Bengal and their family and how it's clearly something the mother recognizes. It's something the grandmother has gifted and is now in the possession of Kamala. The thing that they're doing visually that I was just head over heels for on my second and third watch is even on the first watch, I love this shot. But now having seen it multiple times, I understand what they're going for. She comes into that living room. She plops down on the couch and the camera like tracks her as the camera inverts and sees from her upside down perspective. Oh, that was a great shot. So wonderful. That's our first introduction to the bangle. This is she, the world's upside down for her. She's trying to figure it out. She writes herself back up and that's when she finds the bangle. Everything carries on. The things that happen, we talked about the dynamics of the family. Eventually she gets to the con when she puts the bangle on Once again, the camera follows as she does the 360 flip because it's now fully part of who she is. So that's what I was getting at when I was saying that this is the catalyst that's going to push Kamala to figuring out who she wants to be. And the beauty, like the chef's kiss of this is at the end when she comes back home and her mom catches her in the room. The mom gives the speech. She talks about how like, well, if you knew what I was going to say and I was going to have some story about Nani and you betrayed me anyway, why would you do this? She eventually leaves the room. Kamala has the bracelet and she follow she falls onto the bed, but it's almost perpendicular. Yeah. So she's right in the middle trying to figure out where she's going to be with her journey in this bangle. And I was just like, oh my God. So good. So good. Even, even, okay. <laughs> There's even stuff in there that like all you're right, hundred percent and all of that. Just the the camera choices, everything. The one camera choice that they did that I was just like, and they didn't have to. They didn't have to do this, right? This is purely like, I, th- I think it helps in telling the story and the characters, but just a purely creative shot is when they're at the lockers and the camera's on the inside of the lockers and you see the two of them talking separate through the lockers. And I, I you could have easily done that shot like any other show. Oh, and the other side, you know, shot, reverse shot, establishing shot, shot, reverse shot. You know, and, and and found a way to do the same thing, but to to come on that side of it and have the the blocked off part of the screen with the closed locker, so good. You know, so I, I think we're well. And I was going to say because I mean, there is that storytelling element, right? There's something about them; they're separated, 
you know? And so you kind of get the sense of, for me, they're not fully on the same page, you know? Um, but I also like that it was, it kind of also reinforces what I think we're seeing is not just the interest in each other, but his interest in her because he comes to her locker and has to cross over, you know, and, and, and now they're framed together because that other lockers, well, closed. So all you get is just that for brief and uh, so good. Yeah. So all I was going to say is I think we're fully transitioned into the final act. This is the con. This is going to take us through the planning phases of their expectation versus the actual implementation of their, their plan, as well as attending the con itself. And I feel like I could gush for days about the visual inventiveness. And it's not like it's doing anything super complex, but the way we have seen Kamala so upset about not being able to go and when she hatches the plan for going to the convention, the Zuzu technology that Bruno set them up with turns the light on right above her head, lined up perfectly. Just like they didn't have, like you said, they don't have to have these flourishes, but they are just flaunting it. And so confidently within this show and, and to even go even further, once they're actually talking about the plan, you're getting more of that visual depiction of how, Kamala sees herself, how she sees others, and the expectations that she has for her plans to work out. And then to come back to Bruno saying, so your plan is to take the bus? And it's just like, it's a good push push and pull between these two. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. That's the note you got out of all of this? (laughs) And, And it's so real for her. Like, like she has the jump out the window, gets it, you know, spin, superhero landing, and then like actually tries it and the tree branch falls. Like that was so, oh, wonderful. I was shocked that she tried it. Like the <laughs> fact that she jumped out the window on that branch and it fell, not only is it one of those, like it, it, it immediately endears you to the character. Cause like, you're like, oh no, like you, you want to know if she's okay. But because they showed that she had the courage or the lack of of self-care to do that made me question when they got to the bus, is she really oh, yeah, going to try yeah, and pull yeah. the stunt that she talked about <laughs> in the plan? And the beautiful thing is, in the plan, it is clearly not them. Obviously, they would have stunt doubles, but I think it might have been a choice to like, yeah, this is clearly not them riding the bikes because it's all part of that superficial reality that she believes in versus what the actual expectation will be. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. (laughs) And again, just this whole that age, I'm invincible. No, I don't say no real care of self, but like, yeah, I got this and just jumping off and the crash and it wasn't worried about, am I hurt? Am I injured? You know? Cause like if, if I do that, I'm like, oh man, is something hurt? What well, might be something I don't know about? It's my next three months. <laughs> yeah, right. Where she's just like, oh man, that's my way back in. Like, like that's and again, at her age, that makes sense. That's what she would say. I think self-preservation was the word I was looking for, not the lack of self. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it takes some guts to jump out a window like that. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> well, what's also so brilliant about that planning sequence too is is that it's all so perfectly timed. By this time, we're going to be here. By this time, we're going to be there and so on and so forth. And then when the plan actually takes place, I love that they were like crossing out the time being like, all right, they're a little bit late. They're a little bit late until it gets to the moment where she's like, all right, be in, be home by 9.05. It's 11.11. And it's just like those visual nods were wonderful. And 
and help create that delta between expectation yes. and reality. Yes. Okay. AvengerCon. Hold on. I want it to be real. I'm looking. Hold on. You can actually get the AvengerCon merch. Really? Yes. I have the link right here. Where did you right find here. it? Marvel.com. As a side note, while you're looking, it's not like looking it up. I'm, <laughs> looking, I'm like, here's the shirt. It says, like, here's the shirt that says New Jersey AvengerCon on it. I was there. Yeah. Like, <sighs> well, no, all I was going to say is, like, watching the, the, the Marvel Studios subreddit, like, go down the rabbit hole of, like, that's clearly Marvel logos. That means Marvel exists within the MCU and they're selling toys of the heroes. And it just went on and on. And I was like, at a certain point, we just got to like, okay, we get it. It's just real world toys. Like like this right here, the t-shirt. I can do this all day. New Jersey Adventure Con. Like, oh, I know you're going to have one. I, I just bought a Bo Burnham hat today. I can't buy this too. New Jersey Adventure Con with Groot on it. And underneath it says Mr. Tree. Mr. Tree. The Wakanda tours, six nights, four days available. Avenger Con. Ugh. This is becoming an ad that we're not it's getting not, paid for. Oh, uh, okay. Anyways, uh, there's actually a couple of shirts that I'm, I'm looking for here that I'm kind of disappointed that I that I don't mm. see. Which one? But uh, you know what? Um, the the Pride one. You know, because because they because the production made such a point to have that on screen. Right, it's like not something in the background. That is one that I would expect to be on the shop. You know, maybe it'll get updated. I hope so. Mm-hmm. So, what were you? What were your thoughts on Avengers Con as depicted in the um, show? Hmm. Well, let me rephrase this because I, I said I want to go. Have you ever been to a con like that for anything? Any specific conventions? Yes. X Files. Really? X Files back in the nineties. Yeah. Uh, That's in Dallas. Cool. Uh, went my dad and I. And, um, really cool. A lot of fun. Uh, got the, I want to believe poster in an auction. We almost got a script, like an actual shooting trip with director's notes signed by the director and the writer of that episode. And it was the episode Stephen King wrote. Oh, and wow. It's in the auction. My, I'm sitting there with my dad and it's like, Oh, you know, and he's, he's, he's bidding on it. And I forgot what price it got to. And somebody else bid, and then he he looked he looked at me, and I just and I knew my dad probably would have uh, bid again, but I, I just shook my head no, and so the other guy got it. You know, I just <laughs> I, I felt bad. I was like, I nah, I appreciate it, but no, shook my head. That's super cool yeah. though to to even be that close. Yeah. Oh, so awesome. Yeah. My yeah. my only experience, and probably another one of the reasons why I think it was this episode was so endearing to me is. I've talked about it before. One of my big inspirations when it comes to uh, creating content is Rooster Teeth, specifically Bernie Burns. And I got to go to the first ever RTX. Oh, nice. And I think they've had like eight of them now. So I remember that feeling of like, we got to go to the first one. Like this, like she said, there will never be another first time. So to, to be able to go and be a part of that was spectacular because now it's like thousands of people who go to RTX. But that first year, it was like 500 people. And like I was playing catch with the founders of Rooster Teeth. We were just playing football and water balloon fights and like getting to be a part of that experience. I felt like Avengers Con captured that excitement so wonderfully well because as RTX grew and got bigger, that con floor felt so mm-hmm. familiar to me. You know what? Okay. So this is the one thing I will say, Dan, you go back to your question for me. 
Um, part of me, I was like, it seems kind of, I'm going to use the word cheap for something like that in terms of like, I was looking at venue and stuff and it was like, it was almost like what, what Sean said, uh, from the caption life about, okay, I've been to a Broadway play, you know what I mean? And, and so, and for him, he goes, it was an element of the production value he felt like took him out of it, you know, for, for, for the Captain America musical. And so it did have me just kind of like, like it, in in imagining what like San Diego Comic Con is and 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 you know and, and those types of things for, versus the cons I've been to versus the the X Files con that I've been to it's like no that's what a con looks like you know what I mean and then but you see pictures and images of like some other cons the really big names San Diego Comic Con and stuff like that um, then I'm like no oh, that seems kind of you know what I mean um, but I, I think it actually tracks being the first one you know, being, being the first one. And so, and so that's in that sense. So that was like my first, uh, viewing reaction to it. And then in the second one, I'm like, no, this is like the first one. It's at camp Lehigh, like, which was a nice touch. And, Love that. um, so yeah. So like, I, I thought it was wonderful. I, I got the impression that this was a fan run event. And so that for me, that's what was contributing to that. Like, Oh, this isn't, this feels like it's in the back of some warehouse that is, was like put together, but I forgot what it was. I wish they were, I could remember specifically, but I feel like a character says something to insinuate that it is like a group of fans who got together and put this on, not necessarily like, not even shield or like the, the Avengers headquarters. Like obviously they wouldn't put this on kind of thing. So I guess why, that's why I didn't feel too much of the, the cheapness, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was riddled with Easter eggs all oh, over yeah. the place. I love the, you're welcome America <sighs> caricature of Steve, of, of Captain Steve Rogers. Yeah. Uh, I love, this wasn't part of Avengers con, but it was at the beginning. I'll group it here. Finding out that Scott Lang has a podcast. Oh, that was so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> there was just so many great little, not like even having the photo booth of the giant Ant-Man and Kamala was sitting in the hand of Scott Lang, like this is a fully, I keep coming back to this fully realized world, but that, I guess that's just the impression I'm coming from with this yeah. episode. Yeah. Also, if this is a fan run event, that would explain the lax nature everybody seemed to have when Kamala accidentally knocks the giant man's head off. And oh, why it was so easy to knock the head it, off. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, I felt like I was more worried than the people <laughs> in the show were. Yeah. And then I like I was caught off guard when Zoe gets hit by Mjolnir. That was a brutal hit. Like I know she's okay, but that like that came down. Right. I, I know. And that was I I you knew there was gonna be that moment where, okay, you're gonna save. Kamala's gonna save her. I expected that to happen then. <laughs> and so when she got hit, I was like Whoa. What the? Oh, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> all she does is move and she moves out of the way. You know, um, but I'm, I'm actually glad because because it's Kamala Khan, a teenager. He has no idea what she's doing. And so it just makes sense of like move and she's getting herself out of the way, you know, um, and she, she wouldn't know how to use her powers yet and anything like that. It's like she clearly doesn't know what she's doing. So in that sense, it was it was fantastic. Mm hmm. Okay. 
I'm going to be negative for a second. Okay. The only thing or the biggest thing I didn't like about this episode besides the that the brother thing, the visual effects on her what she was shooting out that I don't know what it was, what to call it yet. That 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 crystal is saying, but it just didn't it looked out of place, you know. Um and my first thought was and and I know you know, there's um, the Di- the Disney Plus shows are starting to kind of have some reactions of like, okay, your CGI is starting to get bad, you know, and I've seen that in some places. And and the the truth is, on CGI, it's just about budget, you know, right? Time and budget. Yeah. So it was like, what 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 was it? The Henry Cavill with the really bad CGI to remove the mustache and the in the Whedon reshoots of Justice League. And it's like, no, they honestly, they could have got that right. It's just how much money are you willing to spend on it? Really? And so in, in that sense, um, my first reaction when I saw that was like, uh, I already hear the complaints coming now, you know? Um, now having said that, like it didn't, if it wasn't for knowing about all the complaints coming out, it didn't take me out of the show. Like it, it didn't, I didn't look at it. It was like, oh man. That's bad. It was more like, oh, here, here come the complaints. You know what I mean? Like, like I was fine mm-hmm. with it, but well, it already had a, a mountain to clear because it has been part of the controversy of the power has been changed from the comics. And I talked about not feeling as upset about it whenever we watched the trailer because we didn't, we hadn't had a reason for why it has changed yet. And I don't, one episode in, I don't think we have a reason yet. But they're hinting at a purpose and the purpose of it being tied to her family to me feels significantly more interesting than what the comics was. Like, I'm so tuned into what this mystery of her family's connection to the Bengal is and what it means for her and her identity trying to figure out her place in all of this that like I'm completely fine with it. I, I, I get what you mean. The, the visually. I'm neither here nor there. It, it does look a little confusing at times. Like everything up until the outstretched arms part, it was like, okay, this, this, like I had a hard time tracking what they were trying to show me with that power. Like it, just, it was just this weird rectangle thing. But once she like arm outstretched and caught Zoe in the air or later on when they're sneaking back into the house and she's able to step off of it, I it, it could be we're just like, she's learning kind of thing. So... But I, I I like what they've done with the power so far. Yeah. Okay. And also I'll say that because I was talking purely visual, right? In terms of how she gets her power, knowing that they were changing it doesn't bother me. Um, in fact, I think I think if they didn't change it, it would end up bothering me more. Um, you know, and, and just real quick, for those who don't know, like I said, we try not to get into comic stuff too much, but for those who don't know, um, in the comics, Kamala Khan's an inhuman, which means there is genetically speaking, um, these powers have always been within her. It just needed to be unlocked by some Terrigen. And this Terrigen goes off and she breathes it in, doesn't hurt others, but any inhumans turns on their power. Um, now I'm oversimplifying that. So for example, if you did see the inhumans TV show, um, if you didn't, I don't blame you because I didn't either. Um, you know, or Agents of Shields, right? With Quake, she was inhuman. And it's 
and the reason why I bring up the a the Inhumans TV show is because in the comics, the Inhumans there are they have these powers, but it, but there's but there's or I can't remember who it was, which two groups, the but essentially Kree. it was like the yeah the Cree and and stuff. Um. Anyways, that's now it's turning into a long story, so I'm gonna stop there. That's what it is for Kamala. <laughs> Here's why I I would think I'd be upset actually if they if if they didn't change it because because what ends up happening is doing it this way you're going to get a story a coming of age story where kamala is going to have that agency and have to learn something and choose a particular well what barton was trying to get bishop to understand like this is this life isn't you know you see it as glamorous it's not you know um and it's not an easy choice to to make and if she gets her powers like the way in the comic. How do you show that and really explain it where it's not something that was forced on her, where she didn't get to have the agency and choose, you know? Um, and that's a problem. And that happened to Miss Marvel, Carol Danvers, when she got her powers originally. And when the higher, further, faster came out and they kind of redid her origin story to go from Miss Marvel to Captain Marvel for Carol Danvers. They made it really, really made a point to to emphasize her agency and choosing to be a hero rather than having it something forced on her without any kind of choice. This is like I said, as much as they're tying it into the history of the family, it just screenwriting wise, it makes more sense to do it this way. Well, yeah, I think that's going to do it for that last most important topic of the con. Uh, it's going to move us into our final thoughts, which is a section for us to gather any stray thoughts, make any predictions, or highlight things to consider moving into next week's episode. Now, one of the things that was unusual for this Disney Plus series that the other ones haven't had yet, I don't think, is the first episode had an intact, which we're going to go ahead and at least talk about here within this section. What are your thoughts on that intact where we have the revelation that we have some sort of detectives very curious about Kamala's powers at the convention? My thoughts is the jury's still out. I don't know how I feel. Um, and only because we talked about the intags all the way back to WandaVision and them not doing them well. And like, I was actually a little disappointed. I'm like, you've yet to put an intag at the first episode. Why are you doing this here? You know? And, and so there, there was a little bit of like, what are you doing? You still haven't figured out how to get this right. They, they have potential to make this the best intag they've ever done. Oh, wow. And the only reason why I say that is like go back what was our complaint of the intag and wandavision where monica rambo is going to what look in the basement and gets caught and we're like put that in episode why like like that it didn't make sense to have that as an intag you know and so that should be part of the story right whereas this depending on how they come out of it with and when we see those characters again it's going to be one of those intags where it's like it's pushing the story along and giving you a glimpse of something that's going on, but with it doesn't, it's not something that it's like that actually should have been included as part of the story in episode. You, you know what I mean? Like it felt like a really a true in tag of like, Oh, we're teasing of something that's to come, you know, but like, even if you don't see that, it makes sense. People are videoing it. Somebody's going to go ask, you know, like, like it makes sense either way. And so it's truly giving you something extra. It's almost like they're hiding it in plain sight. It's like they want to plant that seed 
And like, I'm hoping because I'm with you. I was really thinking about it because like all the conversation we had about like, no, make it part of your story if it needs to be part of your story. But if the intention of this in tag is to, hey, we're going to plant this seed about this foreboding danger. But for the next three or four episodes, we're not going to highlight any of this until you get that. Oh, crap moment where they come back to that. And you've had that like un that subconscious like foreboding feeling this entire time. I would appreciate that. Like, I think that would turn out really well for the syntag specifically because I don't know what purpose there is, but I'm very curious as to why they're tying this back to Spider-Man No Way Home because that's the detective that was the ones that mm, had mm-hmm. Ned, Peter, and Aunt May. Okay. And okay. Yeah. So I, it could just be like one of those things is continuity. This is just a, a detective who works within this world, but it is worth noting that that is the same detective from Spider-Man No Way Home. I didn't catch that. Okay. I'm really curious now where they're going to take that. I'm going to double check and make sure it is that I'm not mixing it, but I'm almost like 80% sure it's the same guy. Because w- I'll pull back the curtain. We talked a little bit about this, and I was shocked that that didn't pick up on your radar. I think I was so shocked that there was an intag at the end of this episode, honestly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that did not register with me. It's on the outskirts. It is part of the story. If we don't come back to it for a few episodes, I don't think we're missing anything. And that Spider-Man No Way Home connection is huge. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So. Because that will be... Man, I... So, friend Angel and I were talking about this the other day. I say this, not Miss Marvel. I mean, anyways. Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, and he was uh, telling me why we were wrong. Tell him to get in line. Or why I was wrong, because I made the argument on Thor. Um, you know, but actually he had a really good argument though. Um, he said, he said, what ended up happening is he said, well, what you, what you were saying was true and compelling for that Thor movie and what it did for the MCU. He said, but the argument and logic you used for like Iron Man three was purely based on the trilogy. And so if we would apply those same rules to Thor, it didn't kick off a good trilogy. You know, and so in that way, you know, and I mean, it is what it is. I had fun in the, the, the timer. We went with the timer, you know, and, and we didn't like, okay, this isn't bad. We, we went with our gut. Like, I loved it. Not going to change anything on there now. And, and the only reason why I bring that up is because we got into this idea of like between Disney plus shows and, and movies, what and how does canon work, you know? And it's like. Uh, well, we'll use Daredevil. Like when Daredevil first came out, everybody's excited that this is going to be part of the MCU and you see them mentioning incidents in New York and those types of stuff, but nothing from there moved upwards. Everything flowed down into those shows. And so everything so far in Disney plus has flowed, I think down into the Disney plus shows. We haven't seen a lot until, um, this is a, this isn't a spoiler. Multiverse of Madness. No, it's yeah, part, of the, it's part of the marketing. Wanda Scarlet Witch is in it, but that's the first we've seen continuity from those shows go upwards towards the film. That detective means that's the first continuity we've seen. I mean, I guess aside from Venom, little thing, but that's still questionable, you know, because it's a Sony production and it wasn't in a Marvel studios by itself movie it was in the end of tag of a sony movie 
But we haven't seen anything flow from Sony towards Marvel besides Spider-Man itself that had any kind of... And Ned. Mm? Ned was in Infinity War. On the War. bus. And in Endgame. Yeah, at the end. At yeah. the end. Right. That, I, I see well, your see, point, see, I'm, I'm I mean, not going to pr- count that because you show it. I mean, they show it, but I'm not going to count that because it's not like... Ned didn't do anything the way Iron Man participated in the Sony movie or... Fury participated in the the Sony Far From Home or Doctor Strange. You don't see, except for Civil War, any of the others, you don't see any of those Spider-Man characters flow this way. And so that's why it's like, I'm really now curious of what do they do with that detective is if, if that's who it was. Because that will be the first character from the Sony movie coming into something of the MCU that's not just... For the connective tissue like Ned was. Right. And not Spider-Man. I see your... And not Spider-Man. Right. Because it, it uh, theoretically, this character is going to have more agency than like, we're all going to die yeah. from Ned yeah. on the bus. Like, there's going to be more of an involvement. So I see what you mean. Yeah. That's that's yeah. a huge step. So I wonder, I guess we're just going to have to keep yeah, a pin on it and see. Um, you know, which, which, you know, going back to the draft, that, that may or may not uh, be a problem for Spider-Man movies actually within the, the trilogy in the MCU, you know? Um, Cause we even actually talked about how it's like, I mean, the reality because of that, you could take Iron Man Fury and strange out and have the same movies. I can put a pin on that if you want to that over the Miss Marvel episode, but I'd have to think about that. I, we should make that episode. How vital are the MCU or the Marvel studio characters in the Spider-Man films? We're on a hot streak on episode ideas. If only we could just find the time to make them. Gosh, stupid day job and responsibility. Okay. So, yeah. So, like, uh, we'll put a pin on that. Let's let's get back to to Miss Marvel. All that to say, if he does show up again in Miss Marvel and especially plays like a big role of some kind of investigation, then yeah, that's huge. And, And also, why I say could be the best in tag of even over the in tag in moon Knight because um because it's something that is a thread there that's actually being pulled through and adding to the mcu tapestry whereas it's just a little nice fan nod for moon Knight if you're not going to have a season two so yeah without comic book knowledge it's like who's jake lockley <laughs> yeah 100 <laughs> so uh, sticking with Miss Marvel, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a stray thought this week, and it comes in the end credits, the uh, the actual credits itself, not the post credit scene. There is a trust a bro moving company truck that happened that passes by on the street, and I thought that was a nice little connective tissue. That's really cool. That is really cool. Yeah, you were talking about the possibility of Young Avengers or Bishop showing up. That truck was there. I mean, why else yeah. would it be there than? Yeah. Just again, yeah. continuity. So I guess it's, it's my straight thought slash things to consider. Maybe not next week, but mm-hmm. this season. Uh, I just looked it up. IMDb, Agent Cleary, Spider-Man No Way Home, and Miss Marvel, Generation Y. Well, yep, 100%. You know what I just realized? I was so excited to get into this episode. I didn't do the, if you downloaded this episode, you know we're going to be talking about season one, episode one, <laughs> Generation Y. And oh, well. if you're streaming it, if you're on Spotify, didn't download it, you're just straight streaming. <laughs> this is what we're going to be talking about. Oh man! Well, do you have any any more final thoughts on the way out? I can't wait. I can't wait to see season to season two, episode two. 
Give me season two while you're at it. Yeah. Like, I, oh my gosh, I cannot wait. This is so good. This is so good. Like, I don't remember feeling this pumped after, during Hawkeye, after episode one, feeling this pumped. I didn't feel this excited and pumped about Moon Knight. Um, and not because I didn't like it or didn't like episode one, but it was still, it was just like, what did I just see? <laughs> you know, kind of feeling of like, what's right. going on here? Or is this is just like, oh my gosh, tell me more of the story. Um, and real quick, Iman v- Vellani. Vellani. Um, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I say her name correctly. Unbelievable. This is her first job, right? I believe so. And yeah, so it's like, like there's six credits on IMDb for self. Right. And all of them are like TV in 2022. That is like the promotional circuit, the daily show, the tonight with Jimmy Fallon, the national, the live with Regis, you know, Kelly and Ryan, good morning America. Like all self, all six self is like the promotional run. And she is. And, and, and I know there was some people, including myself, that was a little bit nervous of like, oh man, this is a franchise starter. And oh my gosh, so good. At the risk of being hyperbolic, I am putting Amon Vellani on that same category as Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson as pitch-perfect casting for their characters. Oh, yes, 100%. Amon is Kamala Khan. Obviously, everything we talked about within the episode today, but just the stories that you're hearing coming out... She's arguing with Kevin Feige about the continuity of the 616 universe yes, yes. or the, is it 1999 yes, yes. universe? She is, is like- Kamala Khan. Because that's exactly, if go read the comics, that's what Kamala Khan would do. She would argue as a fan of the heroes. Uh, she argued with Coulson and like corrected Coulson. Like she, she, she knows her stuff, you know, and that's- You know, I know there's a, a cynical side that could say, okay, maybe it's PR coaching or whatever. I don't care. She is so charismatic. She is so clearly excited about being this character. Takes it very like she's precious about it. The the other moment that I was that was so endearing is that they put her on a timer and they're like, "Can you name all the Marvel Studios movies?" And she she tried and she forgot Guardians of the Galaxy and Captain Marvel, which is very ironic, but also the Incredible Hulk. And she goes, "I don't count that one." <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's so funny to see how comfortable she feels yeah. within Marvel oh, Studios yeah. already. Yeah. I, pitch perfect casting on their part. It is. And and truly, you're not being hyperbolic. Like, go read the comic. Like, this is Kamala Khan. I'm so excited for this season. I know. I, oh, God. This is, this is what I will watch over and over again. I'm, I'm. 100%. I got to get me a Kamala Khan shirt. A Miss Marvel Kamala Khan shirt. Well, yeah, I think that's going to do it for the episode. You know, we mentioned last week that I am on social media break. So if you do want to follow us, you can at MCU Need to Know, both on Twitter and Instagram. But right now, one of the best places to actually get in contact with us is in the Discord. It's a great place to talk about what you thought of the episode, what you thought about this podcast as well, and join other people who are just as excited as we are about Marvel Studios projects, as well as any other pop culture stuff you'd like to share within the Discord. So you can find that link in the show notes if you'd like to come join that conversation yeah and of course same here i'm on my my social media break and if you listen to the last episode uh you know we're both kind of targeting uh, a little bit later in the summer to kind of ramp that back up again but you could 
Also, share your thoughts by leaving a rating and a review, and we'd love to read your thoughts. Is it passive-aggressive? <laughs> and then, <laughs> was it passive-aggressive? Do I need to say that again? Well, it wasn't passive-aggressive until you, if you asked <laughs> oh, if it was. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think anything of it. Um, <laughs> but the, when you questioning it made it sound passive-aggressive. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll read your thoughts. And we'll have a few thoughts of our own. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do something a little unorthodox for this ending here. Okay. And just, and just tell you, okay. like I, in the class I teach, you know, and we have this saying, and we talk about this one theologian I like and whatever. And, and, and he talks about beauty, right? And he says, you know, the thing about beauty is, is beauty will stop you, grab you and send you, you know, and, and we do that here with like, Right, the the beauty of movies and MCU grabs us, and it it stops us in our tracks, grabs us, and then we want to tell people about it. Our pod is beautiful. That's why you're here listening. Now we send you out. Share it with a friend. <laughs> Share it with your friends. <laughs> I had no idea where that was going. <laughs> <sighs> That was beautiful. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of his theme song. Which, well. Nope. <laughs> we'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on the SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jude, thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week. Immediately jump to this section, but for anybody who may be new listeners who are tuning in for the first time for our show, we're going to be covering this series week to week. Uh, It launches the Monday after the episode premieres on Wednesday. Uh, We will have pre-spoiler thoughts, so if you haven't seen the episode yet, this will be a chance for you to hear what we thought of the episode without getting into spoilers, followed by the spoiler zone, where we're going to be talking about the episode into the most important topics with all spoilers revealed. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into the spoiler zone. So on the other side of the audio, oh shoot, what did I say? So like I said, you're going to hear an audio. Okay, here we go. I had to reboot there for a second. It's been a while. So like, it's been a while. So, like I said, you're going to hear an audio cue, and on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU, except Multiverse of Madness, because that has not hit Disney Plus yet. We'll see you on the other side. And we're back. So, we've got three most important topics for you this episode. We're going to have the daydreamer, the parents. God dang, I'm out of practice. Family. The family. (laughs) Let me try looking at my notes and see if that helps. (laughs) I'm going to start over. And we're back.